like that. You want to try Hello, everybody, that. and welcome it's to like this flash, Friday flash, playoff edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you all are ready for a fantastic learning experience today because I, Logan Blackman, host of the aforementioned Logan Blackman Show, am excited to be here today. But before we get into what we're going to talk about, let's make sure to go over the housekeeping items first. First off, make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account's Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and like and follow the Facebook page. And of course, check out Logan Blackman Show on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure to follow, like, subscribe, whatever, on those two forms of your listening devices. And leave a rating on a five stars on both. It doesn't necessarily need to be a five-star rating, though I appreciate a five-star rating much more than a one-star rating. But if you feel it's not up to that standard, then let me know. Just leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. And of course, check out the LoganBlackmanShow.com. You can check out blog posts on there and links to all the different forms of social media we mentioned before, as well as links to the podcast as well. We will have a blog post out. So remember, <laughs> uh, scratching the back of my head here, remember when, uh, like before the year started, the year of our Lord, 2024, I said that we were going to have a New Year's Day mock draft. We were going to have a mock draft come out the Monday at the start of the new year. We were going to have one. And then uh, I kept getting, surprise, surprise, I kept getting in my own head and kept overthinking everything. And we'll get over why here in a little bit. So we're not going to have a mock draft out for a little bit now, though we will keep talking about the draft because we are now in January. And in January, we are now three months away from the draft. Just a little over three months, I guess you could say. So we are going to talk a lot about the NFL draft. So if you don't like that, too freaking bad. But there's a lot of bad teams in the NFL right now, so you're you're going to want to stay tuned. And a lot of drama that could be taking place in the NFL draft, but about when the draft is actually going to be taking place, I mean the mock draft, when that's going to be taking place, that will come out the day after the Super Bowl. So the Super Bowl, for those of you who are unaware, who are completely unaware, completely oblivious to the fact of when the Super Bowl is, because I'm oblivious to when the Super Bowl is, the Super Bowl takes place on uh, February 11th. So on February 12th, so a month from now, a month from now, the Super Bowl will take place a month from when I'm recording, and the Mach will come out a month after, or the month the month following, the month when this show comes out, I guess you could say. So make sure you stay tuned for all those different forms of social media that we mentioned before, as well as staying tuned to the Logan Blackman Show on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify and the LoganBlackmanShow.com. I'm not going to promise a show coming out on that Monday. I can't promise that. We had a show coming out on the Monday following the Super Bowl last year. But if you remember correctly, the Kansas City Chiefs won in pretty uh, 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 touchy fashion with the whole holding penalty on James Bradbury on Juju Smith-Schuster, whether you want to think it's a holding call or not, or how ticky-tacky it was or not. The Chiefs still wound up winning the Super Bowl. I was not the most thrilled about that after the game. So when I got back to my apartment, I just I just recorded a show. I wasn't planning on it. It was like 11 o'clock at night, 11.30 at night. Super Bowl takes a long-ass time to get over because you got a lot of freaking commercials and got a halftime show to get through. So it takes a long time to get everything done and dusted. But, you know, we recorded one. I thought it went fairly well. And, it, you know, it's like those things that happen in time. The more you more, you're like, because the, the, after the event, after the, I bring this up because of the, the whole Bills-Broncos game. That's the prime example that always comes to my head anyways in regards to changing of opinions or like calming down, I guess. Maybe not changing of opinions, but calming down a little bit. 
after something like that happens, for, say, like me, a Bills fan who does not like the Kansas City Chiefs, actually despises the Kansas City Chiefs. So when that moment happened and I got to watch a team that I do not like under any circumstances, will never cheer for my entire life, win a Super Bowl off a, a penalty that I did not necessarily think was a penalty, I was a little heated. I was a little upset. So when I got back to my apartment, that drive from my, from, we were at Alex's house, his parents' house. When we got back from his parents' house, I'd calmed down. So the show, at least the way I'm remembering it, was a lot more calm than it was if I recorded it right after the game. Because that would have been very interesting. I mean, I saw Brady right after the game. He wasn't with us the entire day. He was at his parents' house. And he came into Alex's parents' house. And I was taking a piss. And I was angrily pissing in the toilet. I did the toilet, in the toilet. And I hear the front door open. The first thing I hear him say, and I know exactly who it is. I can tell by his stupid footsteps who it is. <laughs> Where's Logan? <laughs> that was the, the first thing Brady said when he walked into the house. Where's Logan? And I get out of the bathroom. I kind of sit there in the bathroom, kind of ponder, collect my thoughts a little bit. And then I go out of the bathroom and he's talking to, I think, Alex's dad. And he turns around and just goes over and hugs me right after the <laughs> right after I leave the bathroom. Little did he know, I didn't wash my hands. I was trying to get him sick. He can't have that good of an evening. No, I, I washed my hands. I'm a clean boy. I'm a clean boy. I washed my hands. I promise. I promise. But man, that night was not fun. That was a very not fun night. <laughs> I, I cannot stand the Kansas City Chiefs. And Brady is not a bad Kansas City Chiefs fan. I mean, I brought this up about a thousand times on the show before. I may despise the Chiefs. Brady is not a bad fan. It's not because of Brady that I do not like the Kansas City Chiefs. No, 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 no. It's fun to have teams, you know, that are quote-unquote rivals with each other when they're your friends' teams. Like, it makes that a little bit more interesting. Like, Brady's a Chiefs fan. I'm a Bills fan. They're somewhat rivals. Jared and Andrew, they're Packers and Vikings fans. So on New Year's Eve, we watched the Packers-Vikings game at Andrew's house. Like, that was fun. It's fun having rivals to associate with, like have these people around. You could talk shit to them. You could console each other after games. You could talk shit again. <laughs> but it's funny because Brady does not hate the Bills as much as I hate the Chiefs, which, which makes it kind of it, like, I don't know. I don't want to say it brings down my hatred for the Chiefs, but it makes me feel weird because he definitely does not hate the Bills as much as I hate the Kansas City Chiefs. If I was doing a power ranking for my least favorite teams in the NFL – Right here and now, the Chiefs would probably be number one. They'd probably be number one. The Dolphins would be number two. I cannot stand the Miami Dolphins under any circumstance. I've never liked the Dolphins anyways. But now that they're the second best team in the division, and I saw them tweeting out a graphic today, or Jerome Baker, before we get into the graphic, Jerome Baker tweeted out a picture when he targeted Ty Johnson going into the end zone on the last play before halftime. Or target. I don't want to say target. When he led with his head, which should have been a penalty, which the Bills should have got an extra play. But I don't I don't care. I don't like the throw anyways. I don't like that situation where the Bills are throwing the ball outside of the end zone. Sean McDermott was pissed off about that going into halftime. But that's beside the, beside the point. Ty, or Jerome Baker tweeted this picture out and said, access denied. He didn't tweet this out Sunday. He tweeted it out freaking yesterday. It's like three days after the game was over when you already lost. Access denied to what? Like, sure, access denied to the score, but... Access to nine for you winning a division title. <laughs> the last time the Dolphins won a division title was when Tom Brady was freaking hurt. The last time the Dolphins won a playoff game, a lot of the people listening to this show, they weren't even born. I say a lot of the people. Some of the people that are listening to the show weren't even freaking born. 
Like I saw some a Dolphins fan on Twitter yesterday as well. Yesterday was a busy day for Dolphins fan. This morning was kind of busy for him too. But yesterday, <laughs> this Dolphins fan tweets out all the quarterbacks the Bills have beat in the playoffs, and it goes like like Mac Jones was one of them, Lamar Jackson was one of them. Um, where some of the other courts? Skylar Thompson, who the Bills beat last year when he played for the Dolphins, because Tua was hurt, obviously. Who else? Did, who else did the Bills? Philip Rivers, a retiring Philip Rivers. They beat. Uh, is there anybody I'm massively forgetting? It doesn't matter, I guess. But what was funny about it, the Dolphins' quarterbacks that they have beaten <laughs> since, however, 23 plus years ago in the playoffs is nobody. You could say all the different. You could have said like freaking. Um, Nick Mullins as one of the quarterbacks the Bills beat in the playoffs. So the Bills did beat him in the regular season when he was with the Niners, but that's a different story. It's not really important. I just Nick Mullins was the first quarterback that came to my mind. Like you could have tweeted that. It's still better than zero. <laughs> it's still better than beating zero quarterbacks. Like that's how I'm looking at that anyways. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but beating five maybe not very good quarterbacks, you know, and Lamar Jackson's in there as well. But Lamar got knocked out of the game as well. So I think, who finished the game? Did Tyler Huntley finish out the game? I think it was Tyler Huntley finished out. Lamar got a concussion after he threw his 97-yard or 102-yard pick six for the Bills in the greatest play of my lifetime as a Bills fan. That play was awesome. (laughs) That play was beautiful. COVID year two, which made it like fans were slowly getting put back in the stands. So it was getting louder, and there was like 10,000 people in the stands in that game, and it was just freaking crazy. It was insane. We were at the keg stand watching that game. It was beautiful. Everything about it was absolutely beautiful. Now, we're not going to talk about what happened in the next game, but that's <laughs> it's just fun. It's just fun. I hate the Dolphins, though. But the thing is, I went to William Penn with a Dolphins fan. I haven't seen him since I left William Penn. His name was Jason. He played center. He He's a Dolphins fan. He's from down there. But other than that, I don't know off the top of my head any Dolphins fans. So my hatred does not brew as much as it does for the Chiefs. Like at William Penn, we had a lot of people from Missouri. A lot of people from Missouri. And the Rams left. So a lot of the people, yeah, some of them, you know, went over to like the Titans. Alex Crehan, he just announced his, his he's entering the transfer portal because the Titans fired Vrabel, which we talked about on Wednesday. But a lot of those Rams fans gravitated over to the Kansas City Chiefs fans. Nelly was the halftime show. For the Bills Rams game or Bills Chiefs game, sorry, and that famous Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes 13 second game, wearing old Chiefs stuff. He's from St. Louis. He can't do that, <laughs> but that's what happened to all the people in Kansas City or down in Missouri. They all just natu- became naturalized Chiefs fans. Now there's some of them that absolutely despise the Kansas City Chiefs, but a lot of them just wound up being Chiefs fans. So we experienced a lot of them at William Penn, a lot of them, and being from the state of Iowa in general, you experience a lot of Kansas City Chiefs fans. Probably the most popular team in the state next to, like, I mean, I don't know how to justify, how to like, I say justify that. How to calculate that, I guess you could say. Because obviously we got, like, Vikings fans, we got Packers fans, Bears fans, Steelers fans, because they wear the Hawkeyes uniforms, Hawkeyes wear their uniforms, vice versa, whatever. But we don't see a lot of Colts fans, we don't see a lot of Bengals fans. But you get those, like, Chiefs, Packers, Vikings, Bears, Steelers. I think those are probably the five most popular teams in the state of Iowa. And the Cowboys are obviously going to be in there as well. But I think those are the five, unless I'm completely forgetting about something. The Rams in the 90s and early 2000s with Kurt Warner obviously had a lot of fans. Cardinals had a lot of Iowa fans because of Kurt Warner in the like mid to late 2000s. But man, I hate the Chiefs. I hate the Dolphins. And I still, even though they haven't hurt me as much recently, they did this year. <laughs> but this also kept them out 
of getting the uh, top two pick in the draft, which is nice, but it could ultimately not matter at all in the grand scheme of things, but that's the New England Patriots. I had a lot of trauma from the New England Patriots growing up. A lot of trauma from the New England Patriots. They beat the shit out of the Bills damn near every single time they played them. Until recently. But you look at Mac Jones' tenure in New England, he's beaten the Bills twice. <laughs> Both in games where people looked at and said the Bills will absolutely wipe the floor with them. Now, the Bills have beaten the shit out of the Patriots a few more times than that, but those two stick out. The 200-yard rushing game they had where it was like 100-mile-an-hour wins with Damian Harris in that game, and then he obviously got the game this year where the Bills lost that game. But again, that kept the Patriots out of the game at top two pick in the draft. So, look, Bills playing the long game there. Potentially even the number one overall pick. I don't know. But at least out of the number two pick, we can, we can celebrate that one. But my hatred for the Patriots was, is slowly dying because – Brady left. And when I say Brady, I mean Tom Brady. <laughs> he went to Tampa Bay. And I remember growing up, I've talked about this on the show before, but my dad, when I was growing up, when the Bills beat the Patriots, I mean, they beat them a couple times. Like, we bring up the Drew Bledsoe game, the Ryan Fitzpatrick game, and stuff like that. But there were times later in the year the Bills would somehow squeak out a win, but Tom Brady wasn't playing. And my dad used to always say, it doesn't count because they didn't beat Tom Brady. And in the back of your mind, you're like, well, is it Brady or Belichick? Brady or Belichick? Brady or Belichick? And then Brady goes off to Tampa. Brady has my his whole, I'm going to win without you and prove I'm the reason for the success type arc that he had down in Tampa. Won an MVP, won a Super I think, well, did he win an MVP? He won a Super Bowl. Or did Rodgers win, was that when Rodgers won back-to-back MVPs? I can't remember, it doesn't matter. He was number one player in the NFL Top 100 Players thing, so that's that's something, I guess. <laughs> I guess you could list that. First, if you want to clarify, if you want to classify that as something, good for you. But, yeah, there. Brady left, wins a Super Bowl, and people start turning their back on Belichick, especially since the Patriots in these past couple of years have been very bad. By their standard, I mean, this is a team that's won six Super Bowls in the 21st century alone. They've been to two others. Like, outside of the, two, out of the, outside of the 21st century, they went to two. They got beat down both times by NFC North teams. They got beat by the Bears in 85. They got beat by the Packers in 96, I think. It was 96-97. I can't remember which one. Elway won one against the the Packers and the Falcons in that back-to-back years, too. So I, I, I'm getting those years mixed around. But lost two in the 80s and 90s. And then you've been to nine, I think. Been to nine Super Bowls since the 21st century started. Since the turn of the millennium. Since Y2K. The Patriots have been to nine Super Bowls. Obviously lost two to Eli Manning and the Giants. Lost one to the Philadelphia Eagles. That's not great. But still... Six Super Bowl titles. This was a laughingstock franchise before the turn of the millennia. Laughingstock franchise. Like my dad always told me stories about Logan. Your kids your age, they don't understand how bad the Patriots were. Like, yeah, I bring up the two years they went to Super Bowls. They were not good other than that. They weren't good. They were consistently the worst team in the division. Worst team in the NFL. At least one of the worst teams in the NFL. But people my age, we just think of the Patriots as this overarching evil empire that just kills everything on sight. Like, you know, Starkiller Base in, um, crap, what's the the the, pre, the the sequel movies in Star Wars? What, uh, I haven't seen them in a little bit. <laughs> what is the, what's the first one? The Desert Planet. Ray. What, what is that one called? What is that? It doesn't matter. But that, that base has the strength to kill 
or at least that what they said. I've seen Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about it. he could kill so many more planets than what it did, but it had like lasers that could shoot out and kill multiple planets. That's what the Patriots were. They killed everything in sight. And then Brady leaves, and the Patriots are now dog shit. Yeah, they went to the playoffs. They got kicked out of the playoffs by the Bills by like 40 points in one of the coldest playoff games of all time. They got absolutely dominated in the playoffs. That was the 13-second year when the Bills lost to the Chiefs. Like, they got killed. The Cam Newton year did not work. Cam should have retired by that point. Cam's body was slowly failing. He was having a Steve McNair, Steve McNair, Steve McNair kind of arc where his body slowly failing. Very talented player. I mean, Steve McNair won an MVP, co-MVP with Peyton Manning, but still MVP nonetheless. He went to a Super Bowl with the Titans. Like, hey, similar-ish styles. He went to another team. Now, Steve McNair had a little bit more success on his second team than Cam Newton did on his second team. Steve McNair went to the Ravens. I think they went 13-3 and in his first year starting there. And they moved on from McNair. They brought in uh, Kyle Bowler at that time as well. Drafted him in the first round. That did not really work out. <laughs> so they ended up drafting Joe Flacco, who's now in the playoffs now, which is insane. But, like, that year did not work out for the Patriots. Like, Cam was done. Cam was toast at that point. We saw him go back to the Panthers, do the whole I'm back thing, and he sucked there too. Trying not to be disrespectful to Cam, but those last two stints he had in the NFL were not great. Every All credit to him before that, but the stuff after was not ideal. And then he obviously drafted Mac Jones, 15th overall. Has a good first year, obviously makes a Pro Bowl. Stupid. Makes a Pro Bowl. They go 10-7 and seven or something like that. And the next two years, missed the playoffs. And this year, Mac Jones gets benched, and even last year, including that, gets benched multiple times for Rayleigh Zappi. Going into the season, there was no confirmation, really, about who the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots was, whether it was going to be Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. Like, the Patriots roster is garbage. It is bad. It is not a very good roster. And it didn't help... With the likes of Matthew Judon getting hurt, Christian Gonzalez getting hurt, the corner rookie from the rookie corner from Oregon, they drafted 17th. It's an absolute steal, by the way. Great pick for them. But he got hurt. O-line's very bad. They have no weapons on the outside. Like they brought in Juju Smith Schuster, like that was gonna save the franchise. Because he won a Super Bowl. Like it's Juju Smith Schuster, and then we talked about before the season started, his knee was about ready to explode. That's what reports said. He brought in Zeke. <laughs> this isn't 20, when did he get drafted? 2016 Zeke, 2017 Zeke, no. This is 2023 Zeke. This Zeke is bad. This Zeke is not very good, apart from getting two yards in the goal line. So his fantasy value will still kind of be there, but he's not very good. The roster construction of this Patriots team since Brady left has been atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. And you know who the GM of the Patriots is? Belichick. I don't want to take anything away from Bill Belichick as a coach. Bill Belichick as a GM lost his touch a long time ago. Bill Belichick is not very good at drafting players. He's not. He's not. Like, they lucked out with Tom. I, I'm getting sick and tired. Like, man, he really, he saw something in Tom Brady. No, he drafted him 100, 199th. If he saw something in Tom Brady, he would have drafted him a whole hell of a lot sooner than 199th. Tom Brady would not have gone behind Spurgeon win or Giovanni Carmazzi, or T. Martin, who quarterbacks I'm sure some of you have not even heard of before. No disrespect, but those are the type of players those guys are. 
Brady was a so he was a no cal kid. He was a 49ers fan. He was at the catch game. And the 49ers to replace Steve Young drafted Giovanni Carmazzi. He was out of the league basically in a year. His first game was against Brady in the Hall of Fame game. Like, no disrespect to Giovanni Carmazzi. But, <laughs> but since Brady left for Tampa, the questions regarding Bill Belichick and his importance to the New England Patriots dynasty has been thrown into serious scrutiny. And though I think Brady is the main reason for that, like there was a whole clip on Twitter the other day of Danny Amendola talking about it, saying we worked for Belichick, we played for Brady. Like people feared Tom Brady. I feared Tom Brady. I never really feared Belichick. I always respected him as the greatest coach of all time. I think he is. Especially when you look at what they did on the defensive side of things. Bill Belichick is a defensive guy. Like Bill Belichick is the reason the Bills lost that first Super Bowl. People don't remember that he was the G defensive coordinator for that Giants team in the 1991 Super Bowl where the Bills lost on the wide right field goal. They completely shut Thurman Thomas out of the game. The best player on that Bills team, apart from Bruce Smith, shut them completely out of the game. And the Bills lost on a wide right kick. Right? Belichick orchestrated that defense. You look at his staff that he had in Cleveland. Good Lord. But it just didn't work out. They moved to Baltimore, fired pretty much everybody. Brian uh, brought in... Shit. I'm completely blanking. Not Brian Baldinger. Uh, head coach of the Ravens when they won the 2000 Super Bowl. Who was it? He was the OC of the Vikings. Brian Billick. Brought in Brian Billick to replace Billichick. Bar. But it's just interesting. Like, if you're looking at the greatest coaches of all time, you're talking about, like, George Hallis, Vince Lombardi, um, Bill Walsh, Don Shula. Like, you're talking about some very big names there. And none of them won more Super Bowls than Belichick did. So you want to sit here and say Brady's the reason. I agree Brady's the biggest reason why the Patriots are as good as what they were. But let's not start discrediting Bill Belichick. And this is coming from a Bills fan that watched the Patriots beat the shit out of my team a hundred freaking times. Let's not, start, let's not start disrespecting Bill Belichick here. Let's not do that. You can go with the cheats, the scandals. You got Deflategate. You got Spygate and all that stuff. I don't care. I really do not care. Deflategate was one of the dumbest things I think I can ever remember in NFL history. That thing was so stupid. Everything around Deflategate was stupid. The, the Patriots won by like 40 points. The Colts were not winning that game if the Patriots had overinflated balls or deflated footballs. It didn't matter. They were going to win that game regardless. That game had little to zero impact on what happened after. But yeah, Brady got the four-game suspension, and, you know, the rest is history. Never piss off Tom Brady. It was one of the oldest sayings in NFL history. So with Belichick now leaving New England, this now opens the doors, presumably, for Mike Vrabel, who we assume is going to be the head coach. So it's going to be him or Gerard Mayo. It's going to be one of those two. God, cross your fingers for Josh McDaniels now. <laughs> cross your fingers for Josh McDaniels. Now, that is a coach that is ass. <laughs> Josh McDaniels is ass. So, if we're going to discredit any coach for the Patriots, Josh McDaniels, ass. But we knew that before he signed with the Raiders. <laughs> He's been ass. Josh McDaniels, once ass, always ass. That's that's Josh McDaniels. So, we're hoping he goes to the Patriots as the head coach. Not OC. Head co OC would be good, but head coach better. But Mike Vrabel, we talked about that when he had the whole uh, – the Patriots going into the Patriots Hall of Fame thing. 
I guess the Titans, I saw an article today, I guess the Titans didn't like that. And at the time, I thought it was weird. <laughs> I did think it was very odd what he was doing. I understand the Titans were on a bye week, but still, it was very weird. I cannot remember any other time in NFL history where I see the head coach of another franchise not only getting inducted into the Hall of Fame of one franchise, but doing the speech, sitting up with the owner afterwards, wearing the big red jacket and all that stuff. I can't remember a time where that's happened on a bye week. Like, it's just, ha- it happened middle of the season. So, Vrabel going to New England is not something that should be shocking to anybody. I think that was always his dream job. And I think the Titans were, they, I saw something else, they were going to try and trade him, but they were just like, we're going to cut you instead. So, I think Vrabel going into England makes the most sense in the world. I don't know what they're going to do for GM. I wouldn't give Vrabel the GM job. I would get an actual GM. Like I said, Belichick, as the head coach and GM, didn't really work out. Especially the GM part. Drafted Cole Strange in the first round. Cole Strange. Who's been fine at best. But come on. Cole Strange. Chattanooga. The Rams were getting ready to draft him in the fourth round. Like come on. And now we get to just wait and see where Bel- what Belichick does next. He's not very far off the all-time wins record. Which is George Hallis. He's not very far off. He's like 20 games behind or 20-something games behind George Hallis in regards to the all-time record for wins. He's not going to be done. He'll be done once he has the record. Or Don Shula. Don Shula has the record. But he'll be done once he gets the record. And per links, he's going to the Atlanta Falcons. Per the links, he's going to the Atlanta Falcons. Or reports. He's the odds-on favorite to go to the Atlanta Falcons. Apparently, Arthur Blank really wants Bill Belichick. I saw McKay talk about Bill Belichick today, who's with the Atlanta Falcons as well. He said, I think he's the director of player personnel or something. He was the GM. I don't think he's the GM anymore. Well, obviously, he's not. Terry Fontenot was the GM of the Falcons, wasn't he? Or he still is? I don't know. But Belichick has gotten a lot of flack over these past couple years. And as somebody that got beat up by the Patriots a lot, I don't want di- to – again, I will reiterate, I think Brady is the main reason why the Patriots are so successful, but let's not discredit Bill Belichick. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. So I think he deserves it. I, I think he is the greatest coach of all time. You could disagree with me. You could think Bill Walsh or Don Shula or George Hallis or Vince Lombardi. He's got the freaking Super Bowl trophy named after him. If you want to think those guys are the GOATs, that's that's fine. That's fine. I have really no – I have no – uh, dog in the fight here. I mean, I hate the Patriots. If you want to say someone different, perfectly okay with me. A-okay, sir. But with Belichick and Brady gone and no... I mean, I talked to one Patriots fan. I talked to one... Pa- I associate with one Patriots fan. So I don't really... Like, that hatred only exists when they play the pay. I hate the Chiefs and Dolphins all year round. I hate them all year round. <laughs> what the Cat Williams line is like, Cat, we need to get you to stop drinking. Uh, this does not need motivated by alcohol. I do not need motivation by alcohol. It's like, no, I'm just speaking out of hatred. <laughs> I don't need alcohol to motivate me. I'll just speak on hate. I'm motivated by hatred only. But Bill Belichick going to the freaking Atlanta Falcons? That'd be crazy. That'd be ab- following Arthur Smith, who thinks he's the smartest dude in the world, going to Bill Belichick, who probably is the smartest coach in NFL history, or at least one of them. Like, that's a pretty big step up. <laughs> but... It's odd, though, because Bill Belichick is not young. He's not a spring chicken. He's pretty damn old. So I think this is a very odd, odd move. But I, I wished 
I'm gonna and I'm not saying this as like someone that despises Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Bill Belichick should just retire. I I fear that the more he goes on, the more his legacy will be affected by losing. Cause he's not gonna win a lot with the Falcons. I wouldn't imagine anyways. I mean the Falcons, they have the pieces, they have the bones. Like, even on defense, like Jesse Bates was a freaking baller this year. They got him from the Bengals this offseason. Baller. Probably get a defensive player the first pick in the draft as well, if not a quarterback. So they're not going with Desmond Ritter. <laughs> I would imagine they're probably going to go somewhere with the veteran route, but who knows. But like Drake London, Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, all top 10 picks. All top 8 picks. Not just top 10 picks. All top 8 picks. Like, you've got pieces. O-line solid. You just got to, you know, get a guy in there that can win. And maybe Bill Belichick's that guy for you. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. Got to get a young offensive coordinator. God forbid Josh McDaniels goes down to Atlanta. <laughs> Don't need that. They'll probably bring Jimmy Garoppolo down to Atlanta now. If, if Bill Belichick goes there. They'll bring, <laughs> they'll bring Jimmy Garoppolo. Because that's the guy Bill Belichick wanted originally. Because that was why Jimmy Garoppolo got traded for pretty much nothing. Because remember, Bill Belichick, GM and head coach. So not only is he thinking about the here and now, he's also thinking about the future of the franchise that he's supposed to. Robert Kraft and Tom Brady are like best friends. And Robert Kraft was not letting Brady go until he left. But Bill Belichick wanted to go with Garoppolo. Garoppolo's a lot younger, drafted in the second round. Like, we're going to move forward with this guy. So the first trade offer he got, he accepted it, sent him to San Francisco for... What did he get? He didn't get a lot back. Like, it was a very weird trade. It, it, it happened out of nowhere, too. Actually, derails T.J. Beathard's career. <laughs> Man, but when Jimmy Garoppolo went 5-0 and or 6-0 in those first games, good Lord. It was like, oh, God, the Patriots. See, we got him out of New England. Thank God. And now we're like, ugh, can he go back to New England? <laughs> No, the Patriots are pretty bad as it is now. But I wouldn't be shocked if, if Garoppolo went down there. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Maybe he brings Mac Jones down there if he doesn't if he likes Mac Jones. He made him, I mean, the emergency third string quarterback against the, the friggin' Jets last week of the regular season. So I don't think that relationship's too great, but who knows? Maybe it's better behind the scenes. And really Bill Bill O'Brien just absolutely can't just can't stand the sight of Mac Jones. But man oh man. Very interesting stuff going on in the NFL right now. We've obviously talked about Mike Vrabel leaving. We've talked about like all these different openings we got right now. But one thing I want to touch on here, because I it's I was actually just talking to my dad about this, but like I don't know, a half hour ago, forty minutes ago, whatever, however, whatever minute we are in the show before that, I was talking to my dad about this. He's at an AGC meeting and he's got some people there that are Bears fans, and they're all wondering what the whole spiel is with Justin Fields versus Caleb Williams. That's that's the big thing right now. And ironically, I had a show come out one year ago today, when I'm recording, so January 11th, 2023, that said, Justin Fields, the future of the Bears, or something along those lines. Justin Fields being the future of the Chicago Bears. I took a screenshot, it, so we should probably find it so I could talk to you about it. So here's what I said. We then move on. From from the draft discussion, Georgia quarter. Okay, we talk about Stetson Bennett, yada, 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 yada. Sticking with the draft, we look again at the Bears' number one pick with some suggesting they trade fields and draft Alabama quarterback Bryce Young. We discuss what that would, what we would do and why the Bears are better off collecting massive bounty for the number one overall pick. So we are in the same situation that we were exactly in a year ago. One year ago, we were in the exact same situation. They have the number one overall pick, and we're talking about should they keep Justin Williams or Justin Fields or Caleb Williams. That's what we're talking about right now. And 
we're seeing a lot of different things come out today. Like Eberflus and Ryan Poles, they had a whole press conference today. And I've been seeing it all over my Twitter feed, like, oh, Justin Fields is staying. Ryan Poles said, or Matt Eberflus said, and Ryan Poles, I guess, both said that we liked the way Justin Fields carried the team the rest of the season. We liked how he improved. We could see him lean this team forward. But we're in a very unique situation. That but carries a whole hell of a lot of weight. That carries a lot of weight. And the reason I'm discussing this right now is because that 2021 NFL draft, you might not remember this, and I could be misremembering it, but this is how I remember it. The Bear, the Patriots were semi-linked with Justin Fields. Because remember at the time, the, new, the San Francisco 49ers were linked heavily with Mac Jones. We've said this a thousand times on the show. Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones. The rest of the 49ers organization said Trey Lance. So with that being the case, the Patriots were linked quite a bit to Justin Fields. Because I remember at the time as well, they had Cam Newton there. So you have Cam Newton, then you bring in Justin Fields. Not the exact same prospect, but a guy that had been to a Cam Newton quarterback camp. Like, this was, the, 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 was a guy that the Patriots could take over. And trade up to get him. Let's say, hypothetically, the draft goes one, two, three, Lawrence, Wilson, Mac Jones. What what happens next? The Patriots were one of the teams, you might not believe me, the Patriots were one of the teams linked with Justin Fields during the 2021 draft process. They were. So, with Belichick possibly going down to Atlanta, what's the number one team Justin Fields keeps getting linked to? The Atlanta Falcons. Now, I understand that could be lazy to some people out there because he's from Georgia, and that's really the only connection we have here, and the fact that the Falcons got no quarterback. But Belichick going down to Atlanta, do you trade Justin Fields down to Atlanta and give Bill Belichick a guy that he wanted, potentially, for the 2021 NFL draft? No, we had no way to prove that because the Bears obviously jumped up to 11, the Patriots were sitting there at 15, drafting Mac Jones. We had no way to prove that other than reports. And I remember their reports being around Justin Fields Going to, to going to the New England Patriots. I think the last mock draft we did had Bill, Justin Fields going to the New England Patriots. I could be wrong. I think it was either we had Trey Lance or Justin Fields. We had going to the Patriots. The other one go to the Broncos. I don't remember the exact order of what it was, but that was something that was feasible at the time. So, conspiracy, tinfoil hat time. Justin Fields goes down to Atlanta with Belichick. Bears draft Caleb Williams. But Logan, did you not hear what you just said earlier? Logan, you were sitting there talking about, we like the way that Justin Fields improved the way the season went on. We have a good idea that he could improve this stuff. He could he could keep moving forward and leader of this team. But we're in a unique opportunity. And you listened to DJ Moore in Equinemia St. Brown. He was on the show with the Monroe St. Brown. They both said they think the Bears are trading their number one overall pick for Marvin Harrison Jr., which makes sense. And DJ Moore was talking about in the press conference the other day about how, hey, he knows Marvin Harrison Jr. This is DJ Moore. He knows Marvin Harrison Jr. Justin Fields knows Marvin Harrison Jr. So we could trade back and we could get Marvin Harrison Jr. who just actually declared for the draft today. We haven't heard anything about Caleb Williams. I think he's got four days to go. Like he said, he sat down with Ryan Poles and they said, I think we're going to trade the pick. There ain't no way in hell Ryan Poles revealed anything to a player. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. They ain't they ain't showing their hand at all, which is exactly why. And I'm 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 playing conspiracy theorist here. I'm not gonna say either or what happened. I have no idea what will happen. But we're both basing this off of 
they liked what they saw at the end of the year, but were in a unique situation. And then we see the London graphic. The Bears are going to London next year. Justin Fields is in the London graphic. Justin Fields was taking a video talking about going to London. Get a culture, bear down, all that stuff. And that's fine. He could stay in Chicago. I don't want to say, like, we're saying one way or the other that they're going to draft Caleb Williams and Justin Fields is definitely leaving. If I had to bet money on it right now, I would say they're going to draft Caleb Williams. But I don't know. Again, we are in the exact same situation we were in a year ago. That's not usually something teams want to be within. And if you know the Bears' history, I mean, we've talked about this before, after that Chiefs game, the having a coach, drafting quarterback, firing coach, keeping quarterback, hiring new coach, getting rid of quarterback, keeping coach, then drafting a quarterback, getting rid of coach, bringing a new coach, and they've said that Matt Eberflus will stay. So, logically, given the Bears' you know brain lack of brain usage throughout their entire history in regards to developing quarterbacks, they're going to get rid of Fields and get Williams. That's what history has told us at this point. But what I want to bring up about the graphics and stuff like that, I don't care. <laughs> because in what Matt, Matt Eberflus and Ryan Pohl said, I don't care. I really do not care what they say. We will know what happens in April. Or maybe even March. Maybe we know by like pro days and stuff like that. We Again, we don't know if Caleb Williams is coming out this year. We don't. So, <laughs> I mean, we have a very good idea. I mean, you wouldn't just sit out the bowl game and not come out. But who knows? Who knows? The Malachi, uh, Malachi Moore, who was the backup for, I think his name is Malachi Moore. That's a safety in Bama. Whatever. The backup quarterback at USC transferred up to Boise State. He was a five-star, number one player in the country, transferred to Boise State. So either we're going with homeboy that had the bowl game against Louisville, or we're going back with Caleb Williams at this point. But again, these graphics pop up. I want to remind you, because this is one that always I always think about, like, Josh Rosen got drafted 10th overall. Remember, nine mistakes taken before me. How many ever Super Bowl, however many Super Bowl Brady wins, I'm going to win one more or something like that. Remember all that stuff? How awesome and humble Josh Rosen is. I don't need football. I got, like, my parents are wealthy. I don't need football. I can play tennis. Like, all that stupid stuff. They drafted him 10th overall. They traded up to get him. So, a similar situation to that of Chicago Bears. But the difference is now, like, or not the difference. Well, I'm talking about the Cardinals here. The difference... Following that year, so we have a new head coach. We have a brand new head coach in. Steve Wilkes was there, the GM, but we got a new head coach. We got the number one overall pick. Again, we are in a unique opportunity here. The number one overall pick. Kyler Murray has not decided yet if he's playing baseball or football, but there's going to be heavy links because, again, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, Heisman winner, all that stuff. February 12th. 2019, so ironically, like, <laughs> when the show comes out, a month and four years, five years, geez, five years, good lord. February 12th, 2019, Cliff Kingsbury. So we're talking about what Eberflus and Poles said. They didn't even confirm or deny anything about what their plans are. Here's what Cliff Kingsbury said exactly. Josh Rosen is our guy. If you remember what happened... Josh Rosen was definitely not their guy as he was traded to the Miami Dolphins shortly after that. Josh Rosen was not their guy. Josh Rosen actually has not been anybody's guy since he left Arizona. He had stint down in Miami, went over to San Francisco, he went to Atlanta, he went to Minnesota, he went to Cleveland. Like, he went to all these different places. He's no one's guy. That's why I try. That's like when you read these quotes from Coach and GM and like all these different quotes from DJ Moore, that they're not saying anything. 
They didn't tell DJ Moore shit. And if they did, they're feeding him that because they don't want to give their handoff. They don't. We're in lying season. It's only January. Lying season's just kicking off. But still, do not believe a single freaking word of what Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus say until something happens, whether the pick's traded or Caleb Williams is drafted or Justin Fields is traded, whatever. Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, same exact thing. Second overall pick. And Caleb Williams, lo and behold, is a much better prospect than Zach Wilson was. Caleb Williams is a much better prospect than Kyler Murray was. Kyler Murray was 5'9". Or 5'10 and 1'8". That's what he came in at the combine. 5'10 and 1'8". Caleb Williams is a better prospect than that. You're in your second year in a row with an overall pick. And I understand this is not your pick. This is the Carolina Panthers pick. You're in a unique situation with what some people would call a generational prospect. And you can agree or disagree with the term generational. I don't necessarily 100% agree with it, but Caleb Williams is damn good. And if you think he can improve the Bears past what Justin Fields has done up to this point, I don't care if you think that we like what he's done so far. We think he could lead him. You think? You better know. New GM, new head coach. I understand this Bears stuff where it's, it makes zero sense 99% of the time. But you're in a unique opportunity. You're in a very unique opportunity. If you want to say, for what a lot of people think, improve the team, you draft Caleb Williams, Trey Justin. If you want to keep the locker room unity to a high, probably draft him Marvin Harrison. Because again... DJ Moore says he knows Marvin Harrison. He said Justin Fields knows Marvin Harrison. And apparently Caleb Williams liked a tweet that said Marvin Harrison goes to Chicago. Caleb Williams is from D.C. So it could make sense that he goes to the commanders. Who knows? We are in a very fun, 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 fun time. But that Bill Belichick rumor going to Atlanta is very interesting to me. It's very interesting. And the quotes surrounding Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are also very interesting. I mean, Matt and Ryan, they traded up, drafted a quarterback before. Different ones, but, you know, say <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. But I always think of that Josh Rosen's our guy. He definitely wasn't. He wasn't their guy. I don't care what the Bears say until we see it happen. That was what this was. We didn't know what the Cardinals were doing until it happened. We had no idea what was happening. They just traded up for Josh Rosen. I think the Bears are a fine team, weirdly enough. My, my mindset about the Bears has completely changed since that freaking Chiefs game. They're solid. I mean, defense is very solid. Montez Sweat was a very big acquisition for him. Jalen Johnson was freaking awesome this year at corner. Like, they, they had some good stuff on defense. So let's say you do draft Marvin Harrison. Trade back, commanders draft Caleb, and you get Marvin Harrison. You draft Dallas Turner, ninth, or... um. Layatu Latu from US, UCLA at nine or Jared Verse at nine or whatever. You could go a lot of different directions now. Improve your defense. Get another guy opposite Montez Sweat I think Yannick Ngakwe is a free agent this year, isn't he? Who knows? Who knows? But we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. But I do think that's very interesting that Belichick's being linked with Atlanta. Again, I could be reading way too much in this. I have a tendency to do that every once in a while. <laughs> but it could, it could be something. Don't act like it ain't nothing. Don't act like it ain't nothing. Justin Fields has been linked with Atlanta before. And it'd be funny because that for the Patriots at three, if Caleb Williams 
goes to Chicago, Drake may, like, more than likely seems to go to Washington. I know that we said something different a month or a couple weeks ago. But again, things change over time. Drake May likely goes to Washington. What do the Patriots do? They draft a quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, or tight end, tackle. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player in the draft. So you would imagine they draft Marvin Harrison Jr. You look at the weapons the Patriots have. They have absolutely freaking nothing. He's a massive improvement on every single player they have. Hell, Marvin Harrison Sr., current form, would be better than the options the Patriots have out wide. So then you go with Marvin Harrison, then the Cardinals are going to draft a tackle. I mean, Jonathan Gannon probably wants a receiver, but he came from Philly. Philly built a lot of their success through the lines. Maybe he drafts Dallas Turner. Maybe he goes to the edge rusher. But off to tackle, get off to Paris Johnson. DJ Humphrey's not getting any younger. Like, get another tackle in there. Get Olu Fashanu in there. And then the Chargers. Joe Walton, Malik Neighbors, who just we talked about Wednesday, just declared. Brock Bowers, they have a lot of different options there. We talked about the, the freaking Titans trade back. What if the Chargers trade back with the Vikings? What if Jane Daniels goes there? Because there's no guarantee that he'll be even available past the Giants. I didn't even think about that until we got done recording, like right after I got done recording. Like, what if the Vikings trade up from 11 to 5? Chargers go back to 11. They can still get Brock Bowers at 11. Can't get Malik Neighbors there. No, no, no. But you can get Brock Bowers. So let's play this scenario. Like, you look at Caleb Williams 1, Drake May 2, Marvin Harrison 3, Olu Fashano 4, Jaden Daniels to the Vikings at 5. Then you're making Malik Neighbors 6. You're looking at Joe Alt 7 to the Titans, 8 Dallas Turner to the Falcons, Justin Fields at Atlanta as well. They're not going to trade a first-round pick for him. At least I don't think. It would be kind of weird to trade a first-round pick for him right now. But And then 9 the Bears, Roma Dunze from Washington. And then the Packers, Telly Suaga. J.C. Latham, one of the tackles? Maybe they draft Brock Bowers. But hey, then the Chargers can draft one of the tackles. Like, you've got options now at 11. You could be seen as overreaching for one of the guys at, at 5. If you like Brock Bowers. I mean, I brought the same thing up during the draft last year. Like, the Chargers have been... Travis Kelsey has dipped his nuts in the Chargers' mouth like a thousand times. So when do you think the Chargers would want a guy to do the same or have a guy capable of doing some of the same things. That's why I had them taking Dalton Kincaid. The Bills, hell, the Bills didn't even think Dalton Kincaid would be available. They thought the Chargers would take him. They took Quentin Johnson, and that didn't really work out very well. Maybe they want a receiver. I mean, it's a deep receiving class. It's a very deep receiving class, actually. Like, you don't know. The top four, to me, I think are set. And that would be Harrison, Neighbors, Adunze, and Brian Thomas from LSU. But then you've got a lot of other options past that. Like, we don't know who's going to the – like, Keon Coleman, he had a very insane start to the year but kind of dipped off towards the end of the year in regards to statistical value, but still insane. Very young as well. I think he's only 20 years old. Like, he's got a very high ceiling, but people are going to be scared off because of the Quentin Johnston stuff. But then you got players like Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, Troy Franklin, Lad McConkey from Georgia, Tez Walker from North Carolina, who's a freaking beast. Like, you got options. Jalen Polk announced that he's going to the draft from Washington. You've got a lot of options. The Chargers will be picking early in the second round, too. So, hey, you can get Brock Bowers and a wide receiver or tackle or something in the second round, too. Who knows? We can also play around the idea of the Bears trading for Justin Herbert. <laughs> the Caleb Williams going to the freaking L.A. Play that around because they're going to cap hell. Maybe they draft a, a ta- an edge rusher and somebody on the edge is a, a cap casualty. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But we're in the fun part of the season. We're in the very fun part of the season. But before we get into the draft, one thing's got to happen first. Like, we know first 18 picks at this point. 
Because that first 18 picks are the teams that didn't make the playoffs. But the rest of that, 19 through 32, we don't know. We had no idea because the playoffs are happening. The playoffs are happening. Yes, I know. It's a crazy, crazy, crazy time. I cannot believe we're already at the playoffs. College football is done. College football season is done and dusted. Like, we have no idea <laughs> what, what the, the future holds. We're about to get back to a depressing time. We got one more month of football. Exactly. One more month of football. NFL football. Real football. I guess we got the USFL and XFL arena football and all that stuff. But real football is almost done. And it's scary. But for the NFL playoffs, let's do a little preview for the playoffs. I mean, the playoffs start on Saturday. Got some cold ass games this weekend. <laughs> got some cold, 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 cold ass games this weekend. But uh, we'll start with the NFC on this side of things. So you've got some interesting matchups here. Very, you got some very interesting matchups all throughout the playoffs. But Packers Cowboys, the Ice Bowl rematch. A lot of fun games have been taking place between the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. Which another thing, I have heard heard. I've seen some reports saying that. If the Cowboys lose, Bill Belichick could go down to Dallas, replace Mike McCarthy, which would be pretty freaking hilarious. But if they don't, then, you know, whatever. Because I saw seven seeds are O and O and whatever since we've introduced seven seeds in the playoffs. Since the, they've been introduced. They're O and like six or something. O and six, O and seven, O and eight, whatever. I would be pretty surprised if the Packers won this game. But the way Jordan Love's been playing recently, I don't count anything out. I wouldn't count anything out with this game. But CeeDee Lamb's been playing amazing. Dak's been playing well. Like, the Cowboys are a very good football team. Deron Bland has had a very, very good season. Still got Stephon Gilmore back there. Micah Parsons. You might have heard of him. Like, they got a good team. They got a very good team. I would expect the Cowboys to win. But, hey, I don't want to count the Packers. I don't want to do that. I think Jordan Love's very good. He's had a very, very, very good season, especially given expectations. I mean, we talked about before that, like, early on in the season, freaking Adam Shine said Matt Jordan Love can't play football. Remember when we talked about that on the show? That was insane. It was before he took any realistic options in the NFL, did anything of note in the NFL. He just can't play. Why are we doing this now? I hate when people do that. It was just like his second or third game ever starting this season, because I guess he did technically start games last year, but or two years ago, whenever that was. But... Like, still, come on, man. And Jordan Love's had a season that's better than any Bears quarterback in their history. And he made sure the Packers still own the Bears. Made sure of that. Beat the shit out on week one and then beat them last week of the regular season. Like, he made sure that they own the Bears. I think if Justin Fields beat the Packers, then we're having a different conversation about number one overall pick stuff. But that loss to the Packers could continue the never-ending cycle of coach quarterbacks with the Chicago Bears. But I'm going to go with Dallas winning that game. I think Dallas has got too much. I like some of the players the Packers have. I do like the Packers. Like, I think the receiving core is very talented and very young, but very young but very talented. Jordan Love's very talented. Like, they've got pieces. It's just very young. they got the youngest roster in the NFL, and they're in the playoffs. The f- with a first-year starting quarterback. Like That's good stuff. But I think the Cowboys are just going to be too much for them. They're rolling right now. They just beat the absolute piss out of the Commanders. That granted, a lot of teams did that this year, but the Cowboys are rolling in the playoffs confident now. And see, Lance playing well, Dak's playing well. So yeah, I'm gonna go with the Cowboys in that one. And then we got the Rams and the Lions. Matt Stafford's return to Detroit. Detroit Lions got a home playoff game. That is crazy. That is craziness. <laughs> Matt Stafford's return to Detroit. I we kind of loosely brought this up on Wednesday's show. But who has been, again, 
If we're discounting the Super Bowl, that made Matt Stafford a guaranteed Hall of Famer now. Remember that. Who's been better between him and Jared Goff since going since the trade happened? You could say, well, Logan, the Rams easily won because they got the ultimate prize Super Bowl. Fair, but Matt, Jared Goff's been very, very good since coming to Detroit and got traded to a terrible situation in Detroit as well and has managed to not only become a very good quarterback, he's salvaged a career. Like, he's playing very well for the Detroit Lions. You look at their game. So Matt Stafford has played 41 games in LA because remember he had the spinal contusion last year. His record's 24-17, and 17, which is whatever, again, because Jerry Goff got traded to a terrible situation. And still, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Wins are not a quarterback set. I don't know how I'm going to bring it. Jared Goff's 24-23-1 because they tied the – who did they tie? They tied the Packers? Who the hell did the Lions tie? It doesn't matter. The Vikings. They tie, did they tie the Vikings? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But those are their records. Completion percentage. Jared Goff's got a higher completion percentage. But it, you could eh, – well, no, that doesn't really matter for games because you would think more games lower completion percentage would be. But Jared Goff's got a higher percentage. Jared Goff's got more yards because, again, he's played more games. Passing touchdowns, Jared Goff's got 78, Matt Stafford 75, which is impressive for Stafford to be only three touchdowns behind while also playing seven less games. But that being said, despite playing seven less games, he has thrown nine more interceptions. He's got 36 interceptions to Jared Goff's, Jared Goff's 27 interceptions. Jared Goff's played awesome since going to Detroit. The expectations were at an all-time low when he got traded to Detroit. Like We were talking about like them getting a new quarterback the first year after Jared Goff was there. Jared Goss played awesome. I remember when he got traded, though. I did feel, after you heard the whole Dan Campbell biting kneecaps off thing, there was part of me was like, hey, Jared Goff kind of fits that. I mean, the last games he played in L.A., he smashed his thumb on his throwing hand. He couldn't even grip the ball. And he was still playing. Like, Jared Goff's a tough SOB. Don't, don't, don't discredit Jared Goff for that. The dude is a tough SOB. And he's been, kind of, I don't want to say screwed, because he hasn't been screwed. But he's... What's the word I'm looking for? He's been dealt a tough hand, I guess you could say. Because I remember when he first got drafted, he didn't even dress his first game. He didn't even dressed. He was a scratch. It was Case Keenum and uh, Sean Mannion. No, Nick Foles and Sean Mannion, I think, were the quarterbacks for the Rams at that time. Maybe it was Case Keenum. I can't remember. I know Sean Mannion was the backup, but I can't remember who was the starter. First year in L.A., Jeff Fisher's the coach. Sean McVay comes in. Jared Goff starts playing a little better. Obviously go to a Super Bowl and all that stuff. But they trade him because they think they can do better. Matt Stafford gets him to a Super Bowl. Leads the league in interceptions that year too. But that's that, – why would I bring that up? That's not important. And Jared Goff goes to Detroit. Again, a bad situation in Detroit. And now they're a three seed in the NFC. And to some people might even deserve to be the two seed in the NFC given the whole uh, 70 reported eligible instead of Taylor Decker. Like all that stuff. Against the Cowboys, maybe this should be a two seed, but that's not important at this point because Lions and Packers, Lions and Rams are playing, not the Lions and Packers, which would be a very interesting game for the first round of the playoffs. But man, I give Jared Goff all the credit in the world. I give him all the credit in the world. That dude, when when him and Wentz got drafted, and you saw Wentz on the MVP trajectory when he was with the Eagles, and they got obviously towards ACL against the Rams, like it was like, oh, Goff's or Wentz is the better guy here, but Goff, man, hey, he stuck to it. Stubborn dude. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it because that will get, get you far, especially in the NFL. But Lions and Rams, the Rams are playing well. Matt Stafford's playing well. Puka Nakua is playing insanely well. Obviously, got Kyron Williams playing at a very good level. The defense is playing well. Kobe Turner on the D-line's played great. He's a, a, one of the frontrunners for defensive rookie of the year. Puka Nakua, obviously, one of the frontrunners for rookie of the offensive rookie of the year. 
Like, this is a good game. This is a very good game. Very, very good game. Obviously, the Rams have a lot more experience in this situation than the Detroit Lions do. Maybe that maybe that pulls off the upset for the Rams. Maybe that pulls off the upset. I haven't seen a line or anything for this game, though. Let's probably look that up. The line for the Pack or the Rams Lions game is Detroit minus three. I'll probably I'll probably say the Rams, actually. I Detroit's gonna be a very tough place to play, obviously. Does Goff get his revenge on his former team? Because Matt Stafford's not really getting revenge on his former team. The, the Rams traded away Goff to franchise the quarterback hell. The Lions have never had a good quarterback, except for Matt Stafford and Bobby Lane, who played back in the 50s. Like, those are their quarterbacks. So he went to quarterback hell. In a bad situation on a bad team. I think I'm going to have the – I think the Rams? I think? I think the Lions secondary will let them down. That's my main takeaway. By, I like the Ryans. Obviously, I like the running game. I really like Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery tandem. Sam Laporta, we don't know if he's playing. He got some practice reps in today, but we don't know if he's going to play or not. So we'll see. But I, I think I'll lean Rams. And then Bucks Eagles. Bucks Eagles. Uh, I saw Baker had a Zinn in his pocket during <laughs> during practice this week. So a lot of people are riding high with the, the, the Buccaneers, but the Eagles just seem like a freaking mess. I guess Jalen Hurts hasn't thrown a football or attempted to throw a football since he hurt his finger against the Giants. Like, it's leaning towards Bucks. It's leaning towards Bucks. But again, the Eagles got that experience. I don't know if I trust Todd Bowles in a playoff situation. I don't know if I do. So my gut is telling me Eagles, but my head's saying Bucks just because I think it'd be funnier to see the Buccaneers win. Against the Eagles, too. Buccaneers beat the Eagles in the <laughs> the in the playoffs to make an 0-2 and to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. I don't think the Bucs will win the Super Bowl, but I, I think I'll go with the Bucs just for vibes. Just up pure vibes alone, I think we're going to go with the Buccaneers. <laughs> oh, this could come back to bite me absolutely in the ass. That is going to absolutely bite me in the ass. Is Nick Sirianni's job on the line if the Eagles lose this game? Who knows? Who knows? And the Eagles beat the or the Bucks beat the Eagles in the playoffs a couple years ago when they went on the Super Bowl. Eagles were like nine and eight at the time. But the Bucks sucked against the Panthers too. I might just say Eagles. Eagles are a very talented team. I don't care if they got problems everywhere, but Bucks or Eagles? Eh, we'll, we'll we'll call it a <laughs> we'll call it a draw. We'll call it a draw. I don't want to pick that. I don't really want to pick any. The only one I'm confident was Packers Cowboys, just because I think the experience of the Cowboys will will get them over. And I think Mike McCarthy would love to stick it to his team that fired him. But who knows? Who knows? We're going to go Cowboys. This is for the NFC. Cowboys, Rams, and Bucks. We're going to go Bucks. Just for vibes. I, I'm not, Do not place bets on any of these, please. <laughs> do not place bets on those. And then for the AFC, we've obviously got two games Saturday and one Sunday. Uh, the one on Sunday is another two versus seven matchup. That's the Bills and the Steelers. Uh, TJ Watt is not playing in this game. I think the Steelers won one game ever with TJ Watt not playing. They've lost like twenty of them, so the the odds are not necessarily in the Steelers' favor. But you know, it's not going to be a very good weather game. Apparently, it's going to snow. Apparently, it's going to be twenty to thirty five mile an hour winds. So who knows? Who knows? Obviously, the Bills are the much more talented team. The Steelers really shouldn't be in the playoffs to a lot of people's extent. Like. This team is they're they're frustrating as hell. The Pittsburgh Steelers are. Like Mason Rudolph is quarterbacking this team in the playoffs. Like that's what we're that's who we're 
dealing with right now is Mason Rolf. And I know Najee Harris has played well recently, especially since we dropped the whole episode of bashing him <laughs> for running like an 80-year-old man. But the Bills should win, right? They should. I think it'll be a tougher game than what people are giving it credit for. Like The Bills are a 10-point favorite. I think the Bills should win by 10 points, but my gut's telling me they'll probably win by like 7. It's not a good weather game. I mean, the Patriots game in the playoffs we brought up earlier, that was one of the coolest games in the playoffs. And the Bills dominated that game. Who knows? I think the Bills should win. I think the Bills should win comfortably, but will that happen? I don't know. I I don't know. I Mike Tomlin and Sean McDermott are obviously good friends, but I'm, I'm obviously going to go with the Bills, but knock on wood for that because, like, there's just, like, part of me that's just this weird part of me in the back of my head that's not, not confident in this game. But – who knows? I, the, the the crazy part is I'm more confident of them beating the Chiefs in round two if that game takes place than I am of them beating the Steelers, which is insane. Absolutely insane to think because the Steelers have pissed their way to a playoff spot. Like, that, it's such a weird feeling, but that's that's how I feel right now. We're going to go with the Bills, though. We're going to go with the Bills. Uh, Sunday, or Saturday, sorry. We got the Browns and the Texans. We got the Deshaun Watson Bowl. Obviously, Deshaun Watson is not playing in this game. The Brock Osweiler Bowl, maybe if you want to call it that game. Remember, the Texans gave the Browns more stuff to take Brock Osweiler because <laughs> they were just tired of him being there. And they obviously drafted Sean Watson after that. The Browns, Joe Flacco. I mean, God just seems to be on Joe Flacco's side, doesn't he? The Texans are a very young team. And nobody expected the Texans to be in this situation. I don't think a lot of people expected the Browns to be in this situation after Deshaun Watson got hurt. But I guarantee, I mean, before the season started, we were talking about the Texans have the top two pick in the draft. Or their pick being a top two pick in the draft. And because it belongs to the Cardinals. And right now, as things stand right now, the Cardinals have the 21st pick in the draft. 21st with the Texans pick. Like that trade they made up to get back up to draft Will Anderson was seen as kind of crazy at the time. And Will Anderson's had a very solid season. CJ Stroud, obviously going to win rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, that is. Nico Collins has played really well as of late. He played really well against the Indianapolis Colts. I It just feels like the Browns, this just feels like the Browns, right? Their defense is very good. Defense is very good. Texans O-line is famously not very good. Miles Garrett, famously one of the best edge rushers in football. I, I think I'm going to go with the Browns here. I do want to go with the Texans. I do want to go with the Texans, but the Browns, I don't know. It just feels like the Browns thing. I, I do always am hesitant about around teams that rest their starters. I am very hesitant around that. We're going to talk about the Ravens next week. Because I'm not going to go through the entire playoff predictions now. We're just going to go week by week type thing. I'm not I'm not brave enough to make any predictions fully throughout the playoffs right now. But we're going to go with the Browns over the Texans. I just think their defense will get them over the edge in that one. And the Chiefs-Dolphins, one of the coldest games in playoff history. Apparently, it's going to be negative 30-degree wind chill at this game. The weather right now, according to ESPN, is one degree. One. One. With wind, snow, all that stuff. And the Dolphins are going to come up and play in that. Good luck. Good luck. Uh, the Chiefs are going to win this game. I, I'm more con- This is the game I'm the most confident about is the Chiefs versus Dolphins. I'm very confident. Tyreek Hill's return to Kansas City is a snowball. Yeah, the Dolphins are not very uh, not in the most confident frame of mind right now. I mean, they just choked the division away. They were guaranteed to have the two seed forever, and they lost to the Titans, and they lost to the Bills last week of the regular season. They should have gotten killed by the Bills last week of the regular season. And they didn't. So I got to go to the Chiefs in that game. So for week one of the playoffs, we're going Browns, Chiefs, Bills for the AFC, and then Cowboys, Rams, and Bucks for vibes. 
Like that's I'm not confident in any of those predictions. So do not place any bets on those. Like the playoffs right now, like I we talked about earlier, there's not a lot of great teams in football right now. Like these teams, they could lose any week. They could lose any week. Like it's it's not hard to fathom that. <laughs> like I watched the Eagles freaking lose the freaking Cardinals in the latter parts of the season. And I watched the Eagles beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. I'm not saying the Chiefs are the greatest team of all time, but the team that lost to the Cardinals beats the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead? Yeah, okay. Believable. Who saw that coming? Not me. Cowboys lost the freaking Cardinals. Were the, the Cowboys were the first win for the Cardinals all season. Like, who saw that coming? Not me. Not me. And now the Cowboys are sitting at the two seed. Who thought the Lions would be 11 and freaking, or 12 and freaking five right now? Not me. Who thought the Texans would be in the playoffs? Not me. Not me. With the Bucs, they got Baker Mayfield. Who thought the Bucs would be in the playoffs? Not me. I mean, their defense is solid. Antoine Winfield had an amazing year this year. Somehow not in the Pro Bowl for a guy who posted four zeros in his stat sheet. But not me. The LA Rams, they were a very, very young team. They signed 14 draft picks this offseason. Or 14 players that are new to the team, whether it was unrestricted free agents and rookies. And they've all played well. Like, we're obviously talking about Puka Nakua and Kobe Turner, but they've all played really well this year. And now they're in the playoffs. The Steelers. I mean, this is the, the fired offensive coordinator bowl, Bill Steelers. Craziness. Craziness. Like, there are so many insane matchups right now, but I, I'm not confident in any of these picks. I'm not confident in any of them, so do not bet these. I keep reiterating it. Do not bet them. Please, do not do that for your, my, your own sake and my sake as well. Don't do that. And then while the regular season just come to an end, I think it's fine now to do our postseason awards, our pre, I guess our post-regular season awards. And Pro Football Focus posted theirs, and I thought it was kind of funny for uh, their MVP candidate, is ironically the third best quarterback per their metrics. Freaking cowards over here cowards how do you have your third best quarterback per per your own metrics win the mvp how does that happen how does that happen josh allen was your best quarterback the entire season and all of a sudden he didn't get mvp why i don't know do you tell me obviously i think josh allen should win mvp i think lamar jackson probably will win mvp i can't justify why i mean he had the game against the dolphins he had a good game against the uh crap what was the other game he had He's so many games this year. <laughs> what was the other game he had? There was one other game in the latter parts of the season that he played well in. The Niners game he obviously played really well in. But, I mean, we talked about the games where he had the turnovers in. Like, that cost him games. The games against the Steelers, where he had no touchdowns and a turnover. Completed 56% of his passes. 57% of his passes, sorry. Lost the Colts. Didn't throw a single touchdown in that game. Did have 100 yards rushing, though, which is cool. And against the, the Browns, he had two interceptions and one touchdown. Well, completed 56% of his passes. So in their three losses this year, three losses this year, and I'm not going to, like, one touchdown, those three losses, and you could sit there and argue, like, hey, well, Logan, see, he's not, if he doesn't do any touch, he doesn't score any touchdowns throwing the ball, they're not going to win very good games. And sure, I guess. But game against Jaguars. Game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 171 yards, one touchdown, one pick. 58% completion percentage. Like he had before the Niners game, he had three straight games of sub sixty percent completion percentages. Chargers, who are famous for their secondary this year, 
where he had one touchdown, completed 56% of his passes for 177 yards. And the Jaguars, who also are famous for their insane secondary this year, and the Rams, who are also very well known for their insane secondary this season. 50, 55% completion percentage. He had three touchdowns in that game, though, passing the ball. I think Lamar, like, I can stomach Lamar Jackson winning MVP. I can, I can, I'm fine because I like Lamar. I really like Lamar Jackson, but man, 29 touchdowns is really the MVP of the league? Really? Really? 29 touchdowns? That's it? Because his team's 14 and 3 or 13 and 4? Why? Like, come on, man. Really? And before anybody says it, he doesn't have that many less turnovers than Josh Allen does. So it's not even like a landslide victory in that margin either. So it just makes it makes no sense. I I, I can again I can stomach it because it's Lamar. I like him, but this has got to be like the worst MVP candidacy win of all time if this is if he wins the MVP this year. Like I can stomach it more than Brock Purdy because I think Lamar Jackson is the most valuable player on his own team, which I can't say the same thing for Brock Purdy. Dak Prescott who has got a very solid statistical season, also lost to the Cardinals, Bills by 30 or 20, whatever, and the freaking Niners. Like, Josh Allen's excluded from a lot of people's candidacies because of the turnovers. Well, he's never lost by 30 points this year or 20 points. He's never done that. He also hasn't had an office coordinator get fired. Or Dak hasn't. Purdy hasn't. Lamar hasn't. Like I don't I don't understand. I don't understand it this year. I don't. Other than the fact he's 13 and 4. Cool. And you could say, well, Logan, he would have more touchdowns if he played the last week of the regular season. Well, yeah, he could also have more turnovers. I don't think people before the Ravens game thought Brock Purdy would throw four interceptions and no touchdowns, and that yeah, that happened. You never know with these things. So he could have more turnovers and zero touchdowns from that Steelers game. Who knows? It was a freaking uh, hell, what do you call it? Hurricane in that game. So yeah, PF Pro Football Focus, you guys are a bunch of cowards. You have Josh Allen, your number one player in the league this year, and you don't give him the MVP. You give it to the guy you have ranked third. Cowards. All of you. Bunch of cowards. Offensive player of the year, Tyreek Hill. That's who we're going to give it to. I think Chris McCaffrey, ah, well, no. It's McCaffrey or Hill. Offensive player of the year always goes to the quarterback, or the player who, the best player is not a quarterback on the offensive side of the ball. It's like the Cy Young and MVP in baseball. Like, Every position can win, uh, like, every position can win MVP, only pitchers can win Cy Young. MVP and Offensive Player of the Year, every position can win Offensive Player of the Year. Only quarterbacks seemingly can win MVPs now. Like, Adrian Peterson was the last guy to win MVP, not named a quarterback. The one before that was Danian Tomlinson. Like, LT won at 06, Adrian Peterson won at what, in 11? When did he win his MVP? I don't really have the exact year down. Let's look it up. Because I can't remember. Was it 11? It could have been that long ago. It had to be a shorter amount of time than that, right? 2012. 2012. So, yeah, the best player on, you know, that's not a quarterback wins the offensive player of the year. And a quarterback can win offensive player of the year, too. I mean, LeBron won it when he had the, the record-breaking MVP season where he had a, broke the record for rushing yards by a quarterback. I don't know. I He'll probably go to Tyreek, but I would I would give it to McCaffrey probably. I like Chris McCaffrey a lot. Again, we talked about Chris. We talked about this last show with him and um, James Cook. 
like Christian McCaffrey this year, 1,400 yards rushing was a career high for him, 14 rushing touchdowns this year, while also having over 500 receiving yards, 560 receiving yards. So this season, Christian McCaffrey has, what, 2,100 yards of total offense? I I think that deserves off player of the year. And the way Tyreek Hill didn't show up both games against the Bills, pfft, I don't think he I – th- I think there was a chance if he didn't miss those games earlier – but I, I would go Chris McCaffrey. I'd, I'd say there's a chance. I think he's probably going to win the award. I think it should be Chris McCaffrey, though. Same thing we're talking about with the MVP, right? Like, he has to be on the best team, so it's going to Chris McCaffrey. He's the best player on the NFC because no one else on the Ravens would win it. No one else on the Bills would win that either. But I think, like, CeeDee Lamb's had a very good year. Very, very good year. And Chris McCaffrey, obviously up there as well. Who else would be? Because CeeDee Lamb just came out of freaking nowhere. He had nothing to start the year and just went freaking supernova. That's probably it, right? Putinakua, shout, maybe. And the way he did as a rookie this year. Uh, Defensive player of the year, uh, who would it be? It'll probably be Miles Garrett. I mean, we brought him up earlier. I think TJ Watt should be in there because, I mean, 19 sacks. It's pretty damn impressive. (laughs) It's pretty damn impressive. But he's hurt. And you know how we do with the awards. Get hurt, you're no longer in the running for him. Look at Hendon Hooker and the Heisman. I wasn't saying Hendon Hooker was going to win the Heisman when he got hurt, but he got hurt, wasn't even invited. Same with Blake Corum last year. Wasn't even invited to the Heisman ceremony. But probably Miles Garrett. I think if we're talking about just holding, it should be Micah Parsons. I think Micah Parsons had an insane year. You get told every freaking play. He's got the, the hack-a-shack thing where they could call holding every single play, but the game would get very boring. He does get held damn near every single play because he's that unstoppable. But they can't call it because it's just going to get boring. Like Shaq sat down with David Stern and was like, hey, you got to start calling these fouls. And David Stern was like, hey, dude, we can't call every foul t- every time you get fouled. We can't do that. It's going to be impossible. So Micah Parsons, I think, definitely deserves a shout here. Drawn Bland as well. I mean, he has the record for most pick sixes in a season. He got that, like, a midway point of the season, like on Thanksgiving or something. Like, it's, he's had the record for a while now. So I think he deserves a shout in there as well. I would probably – I mean, my preseason prediction was Micah Parsons. Pro, it'll probably be Miles Garrett, though. One of those two, I think, should win it. I think TJ Watt would have won it or would have been the conversation he didn't get hurt, but that's what happens. Uh, rookie of the year, CJ Stroud. I mean, I like Puka Nakua. I like him a lot. I like him a lot. But again, expectations. Texans were not expect. I mean, Puka Nakua was not expected to be what he was this year either. So I don't want to take anything away from that. But the Texans were not supposed to be anywhere near a playoff team, let alone win their own division. Like, that was not on anybody's bingo card before the season started. Like, we didn't see that coming at all. Nakua was not expected to be this good, anywhere near this good. But when you have seasons like this, I mean, I, I always turn back to the Justin Herbert, Justin Jefferson season. If there's two insane seasons with C.J. Stroud and Nakua, and C.J. Stroud did get hurt. He had a concussion, missed a couple weeks. But I think he's had they've had such an unprecedented season in regards to what expectations were that I think C.J. Stroud will win it. He's the quarterback. So CJ Stroud will probably win it over Puka Nakua. But I think Puka Nakua has had an insane season as well. Uh, Devin Achan from uh, from the Miami Dolphins, he's missed a few weeks, but he still had over 800 yards rushing this year. Like, he had a very, 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 very solid season this year. Is there any other offensive players? I mean, San Laporta is another one that you could definitely mention in there. Look what he did for the tight end position this year. I mean, he pretty much holds every tight end record, I think. Is there anybody else that I'm completely forgetting about? Jordan Aston had a good year. Zay Flowers had a good year. Donkey Cade had a good year. Like, there's, you could go a lot of different. I mean, the winners are the two guys we mentioned, Pukunakua and CJ Stroud, but it will be Stroud. But there's other options here. There's been some good rookie play this year. 
Anthony Richardson was having a very good season before he got hurt. Like, there's a lot of good rookie play this year. Defensively, you can go in a couple different directions here. Couple different directions here. Devin Witherspoon from Seattle, I think, is an awesome pick for it. Jalen Jalen Carter for doing what he does as a defensive tackle definitely deserves some conversation as well. Will Anderson, we brought him up before, has played well. We brought up Kobe Turner before as well. Chris Gonzalez, I think, was on his way to becoming one of the candidates if he did not get hurt earlier in the season. So I would probably lean towards Witherspoon, but it'll be Witherspoon or Carter. I think it'll be Witherspoon or Carter. Witherspoon's been awesome this year. He's been awesome. Especially for Seattle, who has who's known for their secondary <laughs> to go in there and play as well as he has. Yeah, I'm probably gonna give it to Devin Witherspoon. But Jalen Carter, I think, definitely deserves an honorable mention. Like it'll be very close. Co-defensive rookie of the year. I think they've both been really good this year. Very, very good. Is there any rookies that I'm forgetting about on the defensive side of the ball? Any ones that I'm forgetting about off the top of my head that have been we brought up Kobe Turner. He was one I was pretty confident I was gonna forget about, but he's had a very good year for the Rams from Wake Forest. Anybody else that – no? Maybe I'm completely blanking. I'm sorry. But in the comeback player of the year is DeMar Hamlin. I mean, we know that one. I love the conversations, though, around DeMar Hamlin versus Joe Flacco for the comeback player of the year. <laughs> What's more impressive? Coming back from being ass and playing for the Jets or coming back from death? I saw this on – it was Brandon Walker on Barstool. He said there have only been two people that have come back from death. That's DeMar Hamlin and Jesus. Could DeMar Hamlin – have done a better job quarterbacking the Browns, then who would have been better? Would DeMar Hamlin been better quarterback for the Browns or would Joe Flacco have been able to come back from the dead? What's the conversation there? But no, it's DeMar Hamlin. It's one of the easier awards. If the comeback player of the year was strictly performance-based, then yeah, DeMar wouldn't have got it. But he's played this year. That's all he needed to do. If DeMar Hamlin played a second, he was going to win comeback player of the year. He died. He died on the football field. Like He's going to win comeback player of the year. But Joe Flacco will obviously be up there. Baker Mayfield. I mean, Baker Mayfield, I didn't think the Bucs were going to be very good because their only quarterback options were Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. I liked Kyle Trask coming out of Florida, but I wasn't really confident in that going into the season. Replacing Tom Brady with Baker Mayfield? But, hey, Baker's played freaking awesome. And you got the Browns with Joe Flacco. Like, you would think the guy who they replaced Baker with would be the guy in here, but no, he's been hurt again. So, we're going we're gonna to go with DeMar. But Baker... Definitely deserves a shout. Joe definitely deserves a shout as well. But yeah, it's 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 Demar. <laughs> it's not a performance award. If it was, then we'd have a completely different conversation. But thankfully for Demar's sake, it's not. But I think that's all I've got for you today. Oh, we'll do some head coaching stuff. We'll do some head coaching stuff. We'll look at the the odds for head coaches. I saw uh, links to the odds for all this stuff. Uh, which team will Bill Belichick coach next? The Falcons are a plus one hundred, followed by the Commanders at plus three hundred, and the Titans. That's the top three. Uh, updated Titans head coach, Bobby Slowick, who's the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans right now. Bill Belichick is an option in there, as we mentioned before. Mike McDonald, who is the defensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens, and Ben Johnson, who's going to be the hottest name on this list this year, is the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. And Mike Kafka, who former Northwestern quarterback, offensive coordinator for the Giants. So we'll see what he does this year. Updated odds for the Panthers, Kellen Moore, is the favorite at plus 200. Ben Johnson following at plus 400. He's a Carolina native, so that's the the one that makes the most sense, right? And Mike McDonald comes in at third. Mike McDonald, Ben Johnson will be at the top of a lot of people's lists this year. Uh, Updated odds for the Chargers head coaching job. This one's pretty wide. It's uh, Jim Harbaugh at minus 160, and then Ben Johnson at plus 700, and then Dan Quinn at plus 700, and then Belichick, and then Aaron Glenn. 
Aaron Glenn, no, Aaron Glenn does not need to be head coach right now. Uh, but Harbaugh is the favorite for the Chargers. I think he'd probably be the favorite of the Raiders as well. Uh, then you got the Commanders. Ben Johnson, the favorite there, followed by Belichick and Jim Harbaugh. Eric Bieniemy is 12 to 1 odds to be the head coach of the Commanders. Uh, Falcons, Belichick's favorite, followed by Bieniemy and Brent, Ben Johnson. Raheem Morris is not on this list, but Raheem Morris definitely deserves a mention on here. Oh, he is. He's 25 to 1 odds, but he definitely deserves a mention in there. Uh, the Falcons, Patriots, goes to Gerard Mayo leading with Mike Vrabel just behind him with Ben Johnson, Bill O'Brien there as well. Um, Brian Flores could be a dark horse in there. Could be. Remember, he's a Belichick disciple. So he could be a dark horse in there. I'm sure he'd love to stick it to the Dolphins. And then he got the Raiders. Antonio Pierce is the favorite, followed by Jim Harbaugh and then Bill Belichick and then Eric Bieniemy behind that as well. And they threw in Eric or Rich Basaccia in there as well. And yeah, those are your main head. Did I forget any head coaching jobs? I don't think I forgot any of them. But those are your odds right now for all these different head coaching positions. And the final one we're going to talk about is Alabama because Nick Saban came out of freaking nowhere and announced that he's retiring from college football, which is absolutely insane. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, the two staples of dynasties in the 21st century for both Alabama and the New England Patriots. And obviously, Bill Belichick, uh, Nick Saban was a defensive coordinator for Bill Belichick's Cleveland Browns. So that's crazy. But the the odds before today were Dan Lanning, or the, not today, before... Was it when did he announce it? Before yes, whatever. Recently, it was Dan Lanning who was the head coach at Oregon, and he posted this big video about how the like this the Oregon culture. We want to come here and all that stuff. So I had come to idea with two <laughs> options: either Dan Lanning is definitely staying, or Dan Lanning is definitely leaving. <laughs> There's two options there. Like I remember Fabian Delph, completely different sport, but Fabian Delph left Aston Villa after he was club captain. And said, I will not go to Man City. I want to be a, a role model for all the Villa fans and kids coming through Villa's Academy throughout their history. No less than like two weeks later, Fabian Delph transfers to Manchester City. After saying he wasn't doing it and he wanted to be a role model for all the Villa kids that were coming through the Academy and he was going to be captain. He left for City in a freaking heartbeat. Like, he is either definitely staying. I mean, Bobby Petrino left freaking notes on the lockers for the Atlanta Falcons and went down to Arkansas. And he's doing the woo pig suey while the Falcons are still in the season. Like, loyalty gets you so far in sports. I think Dan Lanning's a uh, – I, I would like to believe Dan Lanning's going to stay in Oregon because that's how he carries himself. But that video just made me go, okay, he's either definitely staying or definitely leaving. And then the odds right now, Mike Norvell, he tweeted out something today as well about staying at Florida State. He's the favorite or was the favorite. This is at noon today. He was the favorite. Kalen DeBoer. Obviously, the Washington coach, no Michael Penix, no Roma Dunze, no Jalen Polk. A lot of new pieces in Washington, so maybe he goes down to Alabama. Steve Sarkeesian, who is Texas's coach, I don't think he would leave Texas right now. Texas is a very good spot to be in right now. Quinn Ewers just announced officially that he's coming back, but we've said that for months now, that Quinn Ewers is coming back to Texas. Uh, Lane Kiffin, obviously down at Ole Miss right now. Then we got Dabo Sweeney, Deion Sanders, Urban Meyer, Billy Napier down at Florida. There's no way Billy Napier is the head coach of Bama. Marcus Freeman from Notre Dame and Sharon Moore are the final people on this list. If I had to bet, <laughs> I would I would probably say, I mean, Dabo is a former Bama guy. He hasn't had fun at Clemson the past couple years. Maybe him, but Lane Kiffin makes a lot of sense. Lane Kiffin makes a lot of sense. 
He tried to take the USC job. That didn't work. He went up to the Raiders. That didn't work. Went back to Tennessee. Or wait, was he at Tennessee first? I don't remember. But regardless, he went to Bama. Obviously, was the OC there. Went to Florida Atlantic. Went to Ole Miss. All that stuff. I wouldn't be shocked if he went to Bama. But the problem is, for both these spots, Patriots and Alabama, I would not want to be the guy that directly follows. I want to be the second guy. I want to be the second guy. I don't want to be the guy that directly follows because that's going to be impossible. When Bama fans don't go 12-0, and at least the Patriots have been bad for the past couple of years. Their expectations are not very high. Like if Belichick left the year after they won their last Super Bowl, then we might be talking about a completely different thing. We're like, oh, the expectations, you keep going into Super Bowls. But Bama, this went to the playoff. They just lost to Michigan in overtime. Like their expectation every year is to go to the playoff, go to the national championship game. So if you don't exceed that or do that, it's going to be Hard as hell to accomplish anything down there. Bill O'Brien, I think, could also be a mention down here. He was the OC down there for a little bit with Bryce Young. Obviously, he was the OC when Bryce Young won the Heisman. Now he's the OC with the Patriots. Who knows? Who knows? I don't see any NFL coaches going down there. Maybe I'm wrong, but maybe Mike Kafka goes down to Alabama. <laughs> but I would – Lane Kiffin and Dabo make the most sense in my mind anyways. But I wouldn't be shocked if Kalen DeBoer going down there. I mean, Kalen DeBoer, all of his guys left. He transformed Washington. They owe him absolutely freaking nothing. If he wants to go down to Bama, go ahead. Go ahead. But there's, you know, there's some interesting options there, but that came out of freaking nowhere. That and Belichick both leaving on the same week, that is insane. Absolutely insane. Man. I'm scrolling Twitter here real quick. Gerard Mayo is a strong candidate to replace Bill Belichick if he chose. Yeah, Bill Belichick, that's what we said. Gerard Mayo or Mike Vrabel are the main options for the New England Patriots. Makes the most sense. Logical sense. But with that being said, that's all I've got for you today. I do hope you enjoyed the show. If you did not, I sincerely apologize. I'll try to be better next time. Do not, again, bet on the games that we said to bet on. Or said not to bet on. Do not bet on the games that we said results for. <laughs> Done to the playoff games. But it'll be fun. Playoffs are always fun. Always really stressful. But, you know, you'd rather be in them than not. So, let's move on. We'll have a, a fun weekend of watching football. And we'll be back to you probably Wednesday. I think that's what kind of our schedule right now, Wednesday and Friday. That's kind of our schedule. Sundays have been hard to record, so we'll do Wednesday. We'll be back on Wednesday for sure, maybe Sunday if we're feeling up to it, but we'll see. We'll see. The Bills play at noon on Sunday, so we could get something done after that. Who knows? But, again, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But with that being said, I've been Logan Blackman. I hope you enjoyed. Make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on all different forms of social media again. Make sure you follow, like, subscribe on the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And, of course, make sure you check out theloganblackmanshow.com on our mock draft. 1.0 will be out February 12th, so make sure to mark your calendars for that. And I will see you all later. Peace.